This week, we talk to a company that delivers a sense of well-being with the help of virtual reality. Plus, we catch up on what's going on with the various local accelerators. Hi, I'm Karen Unland. And I'm Faiza Ramji, and this is Bloom, the podcast about innovation in Edmonton. Hi, Faiza. I want to know what your experience with virtual reality is. You know, I've never tried virtual reality. I had the chance once when I was at a trade show um, and somebody had, uh, they were letting people preview a new property that they had kind of designed this this VR experience, but we were on a boat and I felt like that would just be a recipe for disaster because it was back in 2016 when, you know, the VR technology wasn't super smooth. So right. I kind of opted out of that one. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit with uh, Align VR when you were uh, talking with those guys. I've just done it exactly once. Brittany Anderson at uh, Laser City was kind enough to lend us an Oculus for the weekend during uh, the, the the hard part of the pandemic where you couldn't really get out of the house. And um, like I said before, the gestures do not come naturally to me, but it really was interesting how quickly the brain adapts to kind of being in that different world. Yeah, I can definitely see the benefits of it, you know, especially when you're trying to get someone to be fully immersed in something. And I think even just the idea of having a headset on and and being, you know, not being distracted. You and I were speaking earlier about how easy it is to get distracted these days. So I can see how just the environment would create that fully immersive experience. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a local company called VR Pathways that is trying to take advantage of that. They are combining the immersive experience with cognitive behavioral therapy. And it was founded by uh, Leanne Brownoff and Danielle Bragg. They have this virtual reality app they call VR Brain, which helps users find healthy ways to approach challenges, thoughts, and behaviors. And uh, the way they put it is that they're a company that's aiming to change the way the world thinks. So here's my conversation with Leanne Brownoff of VR Pathways. Welcome to Bloom. Thank you so much, Karen. This is, I'm an, it's an absolute honor to be here. Oh, thank you. I, I knew you as someone who wrote a column about design for the Edmonton Journal around the same time that I was there. So I, I kind of need to start at the very beginning. How, how did you get here from there? Well, that's probably my in-between because oh. where I started, started off was a registered dietitian. Oh. So yeah. <laughs> so my, my whole career path has always been a little bit on that entrepreneurial what next stage. I think that was just when they say entrepreneurs are born, I believe that um, and curious. And that uh, that was what I was doing as a registered dietitian. I found that it was just the whole science of poking and prodding and finding new ways. So I've got experience in the healthcare and I've got experiences with working with hospitals and, 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 and staff and people, that type of thing. Um, in that career, I took a step back after I had my third baby and needed to kind of take a look at other things that Leanne wanted to be when she grew up. And there was many parts of me and I'm still exploring them, but one of them was interior design. And so while I was on a mat leave, I went back to school, went to the U of A and uh, got my design background and loved it so much that I decided to walk away from my wonderful role in, in the healthcare field and worked as an interior designer. I uh, was hired by a company called Ethan Allen. They were just starting up here in Edmonton. 
um, started off as a salesperson designer and then became their manager. As that expanded, I became the the chief operating officer for for the company. And in that time, did a lot of uh, PR, did a lot of speaking engagements, and that was always part of what I've done. I've always been a writer. I've always been a, a speaker. And the Edmonton Journal opportunity came up. So I actually wrote for the Edmonton Journal for 13 years. Wow. Yeah. In a, asked the designer columns, and then it was feature columns at the, the, at the front of, of the homes section. And as I became more interested, again, moving away from the design field and into the business world, I wanted to write more about community. So my design stories became about, let's learn about the communities in Edmonton. What was the designs? Why are they there? What is what's creating that? So it was the history of and the story behind the story kind of thing. And I did that, as I said, for 13 years. In between all that, I always became, I I started studying to become a business coach and uh, worked as that. And so really it was the last 10 years that I overlapped all of that and had clients as a business coach. And I I focused on small businesses, um, entrepreneurs. I wrote a book uh, to, to assist businesses and entrepreneurs as well. And then here I am, as one of the, the doctors asked me when they saw me at the Ethan Allen saying, what are you doing? I said, basically, what I'm doing is following a path about helping people. Because mm. whether I'm talking to people about how they're eating or what they're eating, or whether how they're living and what they're choosing to kind of envelop themselves, what kind of environments they're enveloping in, or just hearing the individual stories of businesses. It's all about people. And what really caught my attention and where Danielle and I knew each other, we've known each other for over 15 years. Danielle came from a recruiting background. I was from a uh, um, business coaching background, but it was always about people. Like, what are we seeing out there? And so that's kind of where our uh, business started coming together. And we started talking about this back in 2018. Before COVID. Yeah. So we were noticing a problem then. So that's kind of fast track to how we got to here. So is there some kind of um, maybe moment of epiphany when you realized that helping people through VR was your next thing? Yeah. Neither Danielle nor I were really VR gamers at all. Um, I had actually never even put a VR on in, before 2018. Um, but what we had noticed is that people around us were really struggling. The businesses that I was coaching, they were hiring me to help them meet their ROIs and, and to help them with strategies. But when I looked at it, it was like the, the teams themselves were really struggling just to show up. All of the problems that they were bringing to the office were very real everyday problems, like struggling at home with issues, getting themselves to work. Everything was a struggle. And then they walk in at eight o'clock in the morning and they're already stressed and their day hasn't even really started. Then their day goes on and stuff happens in their day. And rather than being rejuvenated and ready to handle it, they were worn down more and more and more. The business owners were struggling, feeling like they weren't seeing the best out of their employees. They couldn't keep the best employees. They couldn't hire the best. Like there was all these issues that were just becoming these momentous problems. So I asked Danielle, what are you seeing in the recruiting world? And she was seeing the same thing. And we said, there's got to be something going on here. The world is definitely, they're not handling their, their daily issues on a regular basis well. And so what can we do about it? So we decided, let's just start investigating. Let's see what's out there, what's happening in the world. Um, and we, we started talking to clinicians, other business people, other. And what we were hearing was people saying things like, 
the business owners were saying, no, no, we've got health and wellness covered. We've got an HR person on that. Um, our managers went to a program. Um, they've all got their certificates saying they've got wellness. <laughs> we've got a room upstairs that people can go to. And then you stop and go, oh, and how many people are using that room? Oh, I don't know. But we've got that room. That room <laughs> Oh, okay, good. And then you talk to the individuals and say, so um, how are you feeling? And they're really hesitant to share anything. They're holding everything back. And then as they opened up, they'd say, honestly, we would never tell a manager that I was struggling. I would never do that because the repercussions didn't seem like it was, it was safe enough for them to be able to yeah. share that kind of information. And to be fair, those programs that were being offered were programs that didn't tell you everything. If somebody was going to come into your your office and say, I'm sorry, but my family member um, is just having this catastrophe situation, expecting an HR person to be able to look at them and give them the right information. So the other good thing that we were hearing was that, well, we've got some clinicians. We've got clinicians who are working with our, our businesses. So then we would talk to the clinicians. And, and what we were starting to hear, that's just when we were hearing about some stuff happening in uh, this virus that was happening on the other side of the world. We we're going, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. Um, <laughs> started to hear some some inklings of stuff. But as we went through it, the clinicians were saying, we are already really overloaded. We've got long waiting lists. Um, and we'd ask the questions like, how effective do you find your programs? They said, well, we've been trained to do this. This is what we do. So there was this like historical, this is how we handle these situations. Um, then there was the, well, there's only one of us and many of them. Right. And then there's the, well, they come to us for a certain amount of time. And then we'd say, well, then what happens next? Are they ready to go off? And they said, well, no, their benefits where they don't have the benefits anymore. So we kind of lose track of them. So there were all these things that were going, something's not quite right. There's this huge need that seems to be growing. What else is happening? So we, we actually spent time for months um, just delving into what are the other options for handling mental wellness and VR started showing up, mm. showing up in Europe, showing up in Germany and, and France and Sweden and Australia. And so we, we started talking to people. We'd get up at two o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning and, and talk to people that were in Ireland and in, uh, in Germany and wherever we, uh, you, the Ukraine, we just talked to everybody we could. And they were telling us about their experiences and that VR was actually showing some remarkable um, studies that, that improved cognitive behavioral changes. And so then we started looking and we found a plethora of information that's been out there for a very long time on a few things. One thing is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's the everyday ordinary therapy that everyday ordinary therapy that makes it sound like it's so minor. It's massive. It's it's the gold standard that psychologists use to um, help change the brain. And we went, huh, this is cool. I've heard about it, but like, why is it such a big deal? What we found out was that the brain itself holds on to negative thoughts more easily and readily than than positive thoughts. Right. I thought, huh, why? Why would that be? It's a uh, protective mechanism that we have. So back in the caveman days, um, anything that showed signs of be aware of, be afraid of, was so deeply rooted in us because it had to be that fight or flight. Are we staying? Are we, we going to run away from, from this situation? Or are we going to be able to, to manage it? Those became our training methods of learning what to do next. And it's just been part of who we are for forever. So when clinicians are dealing with CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy, they're taking a look at what people think, how they think now, why they think that way, 
um, what kind of triggers make them think that way and what kind of strategies can they in, can they place instead so that they can get new mental pathways to start thinking differently with better outcomes. So that's what CBT is all about. So we thought, okay, well, that makes sense. What is VR offering? Well, VR, what was offering was as soon as people went into a VR, they were instantly getting uh, cognitive changes happening in their brain. They were able to do a lot of studies to show which parts of the brain were engaging with what parts of sensory um, involvement. And that just really was intriguing to us. Like, what does that mean? Fast forward, what it did show was that it had a 74% increase in retention. So if people go to, we've heard the whole thing, like if you read something, you get a certain amount of retention. If you hear somebody speaking and engaging, you get a different type of retention. If you get both of those and you get engagement of action, VR was way above all of them by a long shot. And so the interesting thing was, well, what are people doing to put the cognitive behavioral therapy together with the VR? That seems to be a very new, but a real, a strong movement towards that. And we thought that might be the thing to look at. So then we brought that concept back here in Edmonton and said, what can we do? And we started working on a company that we, uh, in, in 2020, we became VR pathways and started talking to the people here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada getting a sense of what was going on, going back to the clinicians, asking them. And that's kind of what's created this whole discussion about being able to bring cognitive behavioral therapy and some other things that we found along the way that kind of give us that that sweet spot. Nature is another thing that people love to go on vacations, you know. Yeah. I mean, people are already starting to talk about making their trips to uh, to the warm south. Well, as as Edmonton becomes a little bit cooler fall weather, um, travel and nature is a huge part of mental wellness. So, what would what would happen if we tried to combine all of these? And we hire we have a team here that is working on the coding, the development, um, the writing of scripts. We have all of that being um, rubber stamped and, and reviewed by clinical psychologists. And we now have VR pathways in the VR brain, and that's where we are today working through that. Do you have paying customers right now? No, we're just at that new stage. We're in a, um, an accelerator program currently, and what we are working on is getting some uh, pilot projects into some very key areas because we'd like to see how some of our, our hypotheses of what we expect to see, we want to we be able to prove those. Um, however, what we do have as we've gone through our, um, our own beta steps, tests last year, everybody who's gone through it has said, how do we buy this? Where, do, where is this available? So we know we've got people who are like ready right now. We still get people calling saying, can we just borrow your demo? Because I've got my sister who really needs it right now. And oh, wow. We had what we originally thought we were going to be doing was focusing on business because that's where our business background came from. Um, but then we saw that the clinicians were really needing it. When, when COVID hit, we really saw a huge increase in need for um, basically it's been called everything from therapy in the box, be your own therapist, uh, taking your own mental wellness in your own hands, do this on your own terms, uh, learn about your own brain. Those are the kinds of things that people are coming back with their little taglines as to what they're finding the benefit with this product is. So you're still exploring whether this is a B2C or a B2B? We are focusing it on right now as a B2B, but we okay. know 
the B2C. It's it's a B2B process as we're focusing right now. Um, business to, to business was originally our, our target. Now it's business to clinicians for our first point. And that's because the clinicians at first we were, we were wondering how welcoming will we will they be to this? But because we have clinicians working on our product as well, the clinicians this thus far have been saying we need these tools. We need more tools to help because there's just so many people on on stress leave. Burnout is happening all around. As we go to them, they have their own patients that they can use it on. But we also know that many of the clinicians are also affiliated with um, associations. Like there's clinicians that work with accounting firms. There's or, or um, high stress jobs and whatnot. So by hitting them, they're also being able to get it to the patients. And once we see that um, that traction, it will be a more of a household name and being able to to move it forward. And I guess the idea then is that VR is more immersive than, than say, just audio. I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously. I hear lots of ads for Headspace and things yep. like that, where I feel like it's a kind of a similar thing, like a kind of plug-in yep. to help yourself retrain your brain to, to get past things. Exactly. So the thing about VR is that when you're, when you're only listening to something in an audio setting, you are focusing, but your brain is also well aware of a lot of things. A lot of times people will listen to podcasts and things like that while they're driving. Well, their brain still has to know how to drive and be aware of everything. So you're not totally engaged. Right. You're dividing, dividing and conquering as much as you can. And what will it do when you are in uh, the, our sessions are, are set up for 15 minute sessions. So when people put this on, the first thing that they have is a relaxing kind of experience. And that becomes their Zen, their place of being able to get the body or their mind, I should say, their brain ready to learn. Then the next section is then we take them right into an immersive space. So you can be in the plains of Africa watching elephants going by you. You could be on the cliffs of Mower in Ireland. You could be, we have the world that we have created. So you can stand that immediately changes your, your brain. The chemistry that goes on in your whole body changes at that point. And we haven't even started the CBT yet. So it becomes ingrained. And then the other thing that we do with taking the nature in that immersive experience, we use tags. So um, example, we have one that's a, a beautiful waterfall that people are standing by. Every aspect of that scenery we use in our cognitive behavioral strategies. So as you see that waterfall, we're, we're drawing attention to why did you come here today? What was it about your day that you chose this experience to help you? Think about that for a minute. Let's take a look at the water. Look at how it does this, 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 and this. See how it ripples. As you go through your day, your ripples are going beyond just like these are. What ripples are you creating today? So we're using metaphor constantly through that. You can't get that in audio. Not when you're doing other things, because you're seeing everything else. You'd have to close your eyes and use a really great imagination. And that's good if you have a really good imagination. But if it's all there, you don't have to put the work into imagining it. It's there. Now the work is about you understanding why you're thinking the way you are. And then each time you're out in the walking your dog and there it starts to rain and you see a ripple uh, of a raindrop on the gutter, 
that brings you right back to where you were that 15 minute session about, oh my gosh, I would just left the house angry and slammed the door. I just created a ripple in my family that I hadn't intended to shoot. That's right. So it's those constant things. But what we do is we fill that 15 minutes with lots of tags to be able to do that. So it's the visual part as well. Right now, the technology is kind of a strap on Oculus headset on your face. Yeah. <laughs> is it yeah. relaxing? It doesn't look relaxing from the outside, but I'm not in the waterfall, you know, yeah. when I'm looking at someone with so, that on. Exactly. I mean, anybody who puts them on at first, and gamers will never give you a, a negative on it. They'll they say, oh, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Um, the, the technology is improving. They're always getting lighter. They're getting better. Um, definitely. We're looking forward to that that day. But one of the things that happens as soon as it starts, you forget. You forget absolutely mm-hmm. everything. You are so in the thing. You're Everybody who puts it on is always worried about like they're trying to get it comfortable, get the nose piece comfortable and whatnot. And as soon as the program starts, their hands just no longer are part of, they just are looking around, walking around, checking every piece of the scenery around. And they are so engaged. You know, some of the things that we heard from people after they had gone through the experience was, um, I'm glad I was, well, well, some people have said, I was in so much pain before I went into it and we didn't know they were just, they came to trial it. And for that 15 minutes, I felt no pain. And then we would go back and talk to clinicians and they say, Oh yeah, VR has that ability. That's one of the reasons why it's becoming such a strong medical. They're looking at how they can use it for addictions and how to use it for like different types of physical pain. Um, children, they've been using something like this where if children need a, a spinal tap for some uh, programs that are very, very painful. If they're able to to distract them and put them in the the visuals, they actually aren't feeling the same discomfort. So there's lots of new things that are coming out, but it's when you're in it. It's not. It's it's. I I don't know all the science behind the neuroscience of it, but that's uh, that's the phenomena of, of the virtual world, and I'm looking forward to getting better. That's going to yeah. be amazing. Yeah. You mentioned that you're in the TELUS Community Safety and Wellness Accelerator. Yes. So what's that been like? Well, that has been uh, amazing. I was really, we've, Danielle and I have been in a couple of accelerators before. And every time we've gone through an accelerator, we've come back going, oh, that was really good. We've learned something there. This one is very unique. Um, the TELUS Community Safety and Wellness Accelerator is, it's a combination of, um, they've got, the Alchemist X, which is a an accelerator program that's renowned, um, very in in a way it parallels if people know what Y Combinator is like. It's it's a it's it's a very intense program, um, but this program is also uh, affiliated with the Edmonton Police Foundation and is also supported with the Alberta Innovates. So it's these these groups that have come together. This is a a unique opportunity because it came to Edmonton and we've always had to go everywhere else. But so for us to come to Edmonton, that was, that was great. Um, But the other great thing about this is they're bringing technology, 20 different companies from across the world. So we have people, there's a few of us from here, from Alberta, other people from across Canada, many from the States, but we've got people that are from Australia, from 
um, Israel, from London, England. They're from, from from all over, and they're coming here to Edmonton. Um, and the whole point of what we're doing is it's about safety and wellness and technology and how it can, these technologies, how can they improve community? How can they improve the, the services that our communities require to be working well? How can we support and help them to do their jobs better? So everybody that's coming from these programs um, are, are showing amazing technology. Uh, like ours is the health and wellness sector. Clearly we have a good uh, focus that can assist any first responders because as they're burning out, we need them to be back on track too and, and, and as strong as possible. Um, but there's there's people who are, are working on tracking and finding people who are, um, you know, in a, in a lost people, um, how to best find them. There's new technologies that just blow our minds that they're doing things like that. There are um, l- like less tech, but more community service. And I think the thing that's unique about this program too, is it's, it's not just about how to make money. It's not about mm. how business is going to make these, this program is all about the social aspect of it. What are you truly giving back to the community? What does your program really do? What does your innovation really do? And so, um, you know, the, the, that's attracting a completely different dialogue to the table. So it's been absolutely amazing. When's your demo day? It's in November. I believe it's the 15th, November 15th. So okay. yeah, we'll, we'll link to that, that if people yeah. want to go see. Yes, please, please. Um, so besides attracting uh, Alchemist X here to help run this accelerator, what else is it about Edmonton that's made it a good place for VR pathways to grow? There is a lot of technology really happening. We're not really big braggers. That's a big problem with us, I think, is that there's a lot more happening under the surface than we even knew. So when you come and bring a program like this to one of the things that they did that was really amazing is as we as we came forward, and these are people that are coming, they, they flew here. They were in our city, not knowing it from anybody. And this accelerator had set up, here are the people who we think would be really helpful for you to know and to meet and to interview with. And they had us set up with the top people that we would have a heck of a time just trying to make a cold call on. So they brought together a lot of people that we, we in the tech world, um, Amy, that was uh, a really amazing group of people that came and talked about AI. Um, that really got a lot of people talking. The government programs that are available here and how those have developed and evolved. Um, just the mentorship, the we know people who ne- you need to know attitude. Edmonton was filled with, and everybody we talked to after, you'd go through these sessions exhausted. And then the first time somebody would say, hey, does anybody want to go for, for a beer somewhere? It was like suddenly this new energy. And the talk around when you'd ask people, you know, here I'm from Edmonton. So that makes it like a completely different. I want to know from them, what do you think about Edmonton? And they were saying, we had no idea, first of all, how beautiful the city was. Of course, they came in autumn. And it was really quite beautiful. Yes. beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they also said the community around this program, the community of Edmonton, they said, we have never seen this kind in any other city and any other country that they were coming from, where people are more than willing to share their resources and the group themselves were not in a competitive mode. They, every time we get together and we're, we're together all the time, 
uh, like three days out of the week, we are in sessions uh, remotely right now, but we were also, you know, in, in rooms. Um, but they, everybody has somebody who will say, oh, I need to talk, tell you about this person back in Florida. Oh, you need to meet this guy. He's in London. It was like, everybody is sharing everything. And again, like they said, maybe it's because of the way the program is, is offered and how it, it um, has evolved. But the city itself, when they go out and make those phone calls, people get back to them. People are more than happy to help them with, they want to hear more. And again, a lot of times they would make phone calls, phone calls, phone calls, and never hear back from anybody. They'd make emails out, never hear back. This city responded and they were like, this is an amazing place. So it's really cool to hear that because it's kind of like, I, I always thought it was kind of a yeah. nice <laughs> Some validation. But maybe somebody else from, from someplace else giving you that validation would give you like, yeah, yeah, that's what we thought too. Yeah. <laughs> And we're not an arrogant city. That was the other thing they said. We're not, we're very humble. Um, and that we, but far like the intelligence level they found with talking to the people, the universities, the, uh, the business people uh, at such a global level, I think in a way they were surprised. <laughs> so very yeah. Interesting. I was like, yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. So once you get through the accelerator, what's next for VR Pathways? Well, if we uh, we will be looking at moving everything forward, uh, we've currently got our MVP ready, and we will sell the product if you know as we get investment dollars. We're looking for investment dollars to really accelerate where we're going and 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 uh, make that happen. the The pilot studies for us are to verify what we believe we're going to be seeing. So it's to validate uh, everything just from that perspective. But we are looking at, there's so many things that this program can do. So many, like every time anybody has seen it, they've said, oh, this person needs it. This organization needs it. Have you talked to this one? I, I can see this being so, we've got like so many, it's almost hard to not get excited about our future. We have to pull it back and go, yes, first steps first. Where are we right now? So we, we definitely have a very exciting and um, future moving forward with all things VR and, and mental wellness. We just want people to be able to put it back into their own hands and not, not have to just feel like they don't have any control. We want people to feel control. And that's the change of health right now. Healthcare is changing. We are changing with it. And we're an, a perfectly positioned tool at a perfectly positioned time in the world that is saying we can't just keep standing in line. We can't keep just expecting benefits. We can't keep expecting our healthcare to be doing exactly what it did 50 years ago when the world has changed so much now. So we're, we're ready to move along with it. Thank you so much for telling me about this. This is, it's been a really interesting conversation. Thanks Thanks for coming. Thanks for letting us share. Absolutely. So a lot of uh, what we talked about in that interview reminded me of your conversation with Sharmina and Ali Habib of You Make. They're selling hardware, but um, and VR Pathways is is uh, doing software. But I feel like they're both working on equipping people to kind of engage in productive self care and engage in the stuff that it's kind of hard to get. Uh, time with a professional to help you with. So if you can do it yourself, that might be attractive to a lot of people. They're also both still figuring out the best business model for this. So what do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's hard because there's so many ways you can go in this, you know, direct consumer way where everybody is trying to take more ownership over to their mental health, their physical health, all those things. But I think there's also something to be said for trusting your medical provider when they recommend something. And so I feel like there's it's something you really have to grapple with is in the D2C space, there's more noise. Um, you spend a lot of money on marketing and it can feel very trendy. But then on the other hand, if you go through a medical provider, there could be a sense of like, you know, cannibalizing one's market, but also there's a lot more red tape because people in a professional service like that are not going to just be recommending things to their patients without doing a certain amount of due diligence. And so I think it's a fine line and I don't think it's an easy answer or a clear cut answer. Otherwise, obviously they would have already figured it out. But I do wonder if there's ways to experiment with both at the same time and start seeing what has better traction or different use cases and different approaches for each use case. Mm -hmm. When you think of how much money companies spend on employee assistance programs, like that is a part, that is a benefit that a lot of bigger companies offer. But if it's, mm -hmm. if you can't get in to see a therapist or you can only see them once in a while, and this could be developed into being a measure that you take into or that you try in the meantime, there might be something there. Mm -hmm. uh, figuring out the best use case for VR is not limited to startups like this one. Uh, I was listening to an interview with Mark Zuckerberg on Decoder about the new Meta Quest Pro. Have you heard anything about this? No, this I haven't. Yet? No, it's the, it's a, what they're calling it is a mixed reality headset. So it's like the next generation, not just the Oculus Quest where you're kind of in the world or like in a, in a kind of like a cartoon world. This is uh, sort of lets you see reality in addition to whatever's going on in the virtual reality, but it's part, it's meant to support Meta's attempt to shift into that enterprise space. What I took from that, and we'll link to that link in the show notes, is that the technology's improved and is going to keep improving. It's not clear what Meta's business model here is, but it seems pretty different from the advertising business that funds Facebook and Instagram. If it's not, then I don't know. It's like if they're going to use like where my eye tracks to sell me stuff, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to volunteer for that. Anyway, off mic, Leanne mentioned that the Oculus Quest that they're currently using for their prototypes is not likely to be the platform of the future for VR pathways. And sounds like there's going to be some choice in that space because Apple is also working on a headset. So it seems to me like uh, companies like VR pathways could be well positioned to provide the software if these uh, devices catch on. What do you, th what do you think of that opportunity? Yeah, I think it, we're just going to continue to see um, VR move ahead. And it's great that VR Pathways is working on the software and not the hardware, because that's such a tricky game. And if if Apple and Meta are all working on this, you know, might as well just take advantage of their hard work. I think I did see something about Microsoft partnering with someone as well to focus with Meta, on VR. Actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, with Meta. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think when I think about even like the future of work in this whole work from wherever you are, you know, I, I could imagine that even for like a global company, there would be so many interesting things about bringing people virtually into a boardroom or around a whiteboard. Even as people are trying to cut down on business travel or make smarter choices, more and more people are going to be working on the hardware to enable 
interaction. And if that's the case, then yeah, VR Pathways is going to benefit from all of that if they can keep nailing down the the software experience. Mm-hmm. The other reason that I was really excited to talk to Leanne is to me, she is not Central Casting's idea of what a startup founder looks like. Neither am I. Maybe neither are you. Uh, (laughs) So she has had a long winding road that has informed everything that she's doing now. And I think that kind of diversity makes a startup uh, ecosystem stronger. Um, Do you think that too? A hundred percent. I totally agree. And I think we need to, um, you know, all the organizations that are trying to inspire and foster and support uh, entrepreneurship and innovation, you know, I've said this before, but they need to start painting a broader picture of what innovation actually is and what a founder actually looks like. And for people who haven't taken the straight path, I think it makes them, first of all, it shows the ability to be more curious and to link ideas together that maybe don't seem like they belong together in the first place. And, but secondly, they're not stuck on the output and they're not saying I must create this thing to do this function. They're saying, here's the kind of change I want to make and I'm going to figure out how to get there. And they're quick to abandon the wrong path and they're quick to double down on the right path. And I do think that, you know, by telling people when they're in high school or university that, Hey, you need to be, you should want to be a startup founder. We get stuck on what that looks like. And I think then that starts to put a damper uh, on what that innovation actually looks like or what the potential of someone's imagination could be. So I, I totally agree that um, she's not a typical startup founder and I hope we see more non-typical startup founders in our ecosystem. Yeah. And on blue. Yes. On blue for sure. (laughs) Uh, VR Pathways is in the TELUS Community Safety and Wellness Accelerator, as Leanne mentioned, and that seems like a good thing for us to check in on. So when we take, we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we will catch up a bit more on what's going on with all those accelerators. Bloom is brought to you by Edmonton Unlimited. Here's a message from our sponsor. Edmonton Startup Week is a celebration of innovation culture, free community-led events, launch party, and more. I'm Catherine. Please join me October 17th to 22nd. Register now at edmontonstartupweek.com. This episode of Bloom is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. So we called back to your interview with Align VR, and this seems like a good time to update that company and, and all the other things that are they're going on around them. So they were accepted into batch two of Plug and Play Alberta's Accelerator. Uh, they're in the sector agnostic stream along with Trust Science and Spontively, which isn't from Edmonton or isn't in Edmonton anymore, but was from Edmonton. So a lot of people listening will know those guys too. Thoughts on Plug and Play's new cohort? 
Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be wrong on things. And I think I was a bit skeptical about all these accelerators, but um, after hearing, you know, even what, what Leanne had to say about the benefits of being in an accelerator and seeing a variety of styles of accelerator in this province, I think is definitely a good thing. And so um, it's nice that uh, there's some more Edmonton representation in plug and play this year. Yeah. It's also becoming a little bit clear how they're differentiating from each other. Kind of, They kind of like all dropped in a, dropped in a lump and it's like, whoa, we all have all these things, but they're very clearly um, finding their niches, I think. Uh, some other Edmonton uh, players that are in this plug and play Alberta cohort are Drug Bank. They're the only uh, Edmonton company in the health program this time. And then the sustainability stream has three. So Aurora, Hydrogen, Element 4, and Electronic Grid Systems. And their demo days in Banff at the end of November. That'll be fun. But I don't yeah. think it's open to anybody without money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we can pretend, can't we? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> this is going to be a busy fall for electronic grid systems. Um, they're building a thing called Swift Charge, which is solving some of the technical challenges around scaling electronic vehicle uh, or electric vehicle charging stations. So besides Plug and Play Alberta, they are also part of batch two of the Alberta Accelerator by 500. Um, and we just found out that Fly and Fetch is also part of that batch. They they kind of fly stealth with Alberta Accelerator by 500. They don't tell you who's in it until they're almost done. Uh, they're going to be demoing in Calgary uh, on October 20th, so the day that this episode drops. Yeah, that, you're right. They are very stealth. Um, but I, I'm also interested in, you know, in electronic grid systems being in two different accelerators. And I wonder... First of all, they obviously see benefited both for different reasons, but I do wonder how you kind of manage these very intensive programs, either back to back or kind of happening at the same time. So I'm, I'm curious to hear about their experience afterwards and mm -hmm. see if they would have done it the same way uh, had they known what they were getting into. Yeah. Like we mentioned, the TELUS Community Safety and Wellness Accelerator is doing a demo day in November. Leanne thought around November 15th. It's not on their website for sure. So stay tuned on that. Um, she'll be presenting and or, or she and Danielle will be presenting as well as two other Edmonton companies, Technology North and Islamic Family. And I see that they're taking applications for cohort three right now. GrowthX is the other one, which I forgot to look up. So we'll, we'll link to this in the show notes, what's going on with GrowthX. But I think they just finished doing another take a, a intake. So they'll be uh, putting their list out pretty soon. And finally, Alberta Catalyzers Northern Alberta Velocity Showcase will have happened by the time you hear this. Uh, it's part of Edmonton Startup Week. So hopefully you will uh, have checked out the seven Edmonton companies that are part of that. Watch the Tech Roundup for updates on what's going on with them. This episode's coming out on Launch Party Day, which is October 19th, or no, October 20th. And uh, Faisa and I will be there. So I, I don't know if you see us, come and say hi, hey? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been to a launch party in a while, as we talked about last time. Uh, and it seems like there's going to be some interesting things going on at that launch party, including obviously spotlighting some of the companies that didn't get a chance to participate in person. So uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, it is, it's going to be fun and um, looking forward to seeing people in real life again. 
Well, that's it for this week. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you don't miss upcoming episodes of Bloom. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Bloom is produced by Tapper Edmonton with editing by Castria. Our music is by Dave Von Beeker and our cover art is by Vicky Wersinski. Bye.